Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Post Political Podcast. I'm the host, uh, Derek Britton, and I am excited again for another uh, episode and, and to have another guest on with me. Uh, first off, we got to take care of the sponsors. We have the Vermin Supreme Institute. Our purpose is to inspire social evolution through disruption of authoritarianism, to promote compassionate activism, and to spread knowledge of redacted history. Through the use of humor, direct action, and mutual aid, we uplift the disaffected, the disenfranchised, and the disempowered. And also, I want to mention that we have uh, uh, completed the fundraising for the Love in Action fundraiser benefiting the homeless camps in Reno, Nevada. Uh, we, we're, we have the supplies, uh, I believe, delivered now up in Reno, and uh, next weekend they will be uh, distributing them uh, to the camps up in Reno. So uh, thank you, everyone, for who contributed, and thank you to the folks in Reno who are, are doing the work and distributing all the goods uh, up there. We really appreciate all the help. Uh, next up, we have uh, Brewed Coffee in Lexington, Kentucky. If you are in Lexington, check out Brewed Coffee and Beer Drinkery. And you can check out my affiliate link in the comments to buy mug shirts, hats, masks, tote bags, all sorts of different stuff. Uh, so check it out. Uh, it's uh, The link will be in the comments section after we're done. And lastly, I want to mention not only the Post Political Podcast shop, but the promo that we're doing right now. Um, basically we are, we have a few, uh, items, uh, with the, uh, slogan, be gay, do crime. Uh, and basically we are trying to help, um, the, the trans resource network of Louisiana who helps with, uh, trans people and, uh, the, uh, gender, uh, nonconforming folks down in Louisiana, trying to get to, uh, whether it be, uh, housing or surgeries or, uh, anything else that they need. They're really a great organization. And I would love it if our fans could go out and support them, whether it be going onto the PayPal or going and, uh, buying any one of the, the, uh, pieces of, uh, of, uh, you know, merchandise, like I said, a hundred percent of the proceeds go to that group down in Louisiana. And I thank you all for the support. All right. So next up, we have our guest introduction. I'm very excited. Um, this is one of uh, the local guests I have here in Massachusetts, which I'm uh, pumped about. So Yahira Lopez, and I, I got to check that <laughs> after you come back on because I didn't check that previously. Um, so she is a mother, community leader, autism advocate, and one of the founders of the South End Roxbury Community Partnership. Uh, that is a grassroots uh, advocacy group seeking to improve the quality of all life in their community. And the group has partnered with a ton of different organizations throughout the, their community. Uh, and then we're going to talk about some of them tonight and, and what they're uh, working on doing. So let's bring her in. How's it going? Hey, what's up? What's up, guys? How did I do with your name? Did I get it really off or was that close? Every time I always knew in school when somebody was going to call my name and I'm like, it's Jahida. It's me. That's me. <laughs> All right, I should have asked you before. Oh, I the extra R, man. <laughs> we were we were in so much uh, you know conversation before the show that I didn't get a chance to ask you actually before we went live. So I apologize, but thank you for correcting me. And uh, no, I, I'm I'm super excited to have you. I know um, I I just uh, started talking with you all probably you know a couple months ago, and I've been learning tons. You know, I've been going to some of the the community forums you guys are doing and. Um, yeah, I just want to hear, let, let's hear, uh, kind of the introduction of the partnership, uh, community group and, and, uh, we'll jump into a bunch of different stuff. So first of all, I want to give a huge shout out to the people that have been doing this work before I got involved. So you're going to have one, a uh, two of them on. So a huge shout out to Domingos de Rosa, Leon Rivera, Carlos Enrique, Susie McGlo McGlover, Janina, um, Ricard, 
there's been a group of individuals that way before my involvement have been working the trenches and advocating for, um, as the city wants to call it now, mass and cast. But for those who grew up in that location and, you know, have been advocating for it, you know, I know, you know, I apologize, but I'm not going to apologize for it. It's always going to be known as Method Mile to us. Uh, yeah. Because if it's origin, um, it started with, you know, the ev the evolution of of um methadone clinics so you know again to us is always going to be methadone mile so uh back in mid-august uh i did something that i know my mom wasn't gonna approve of but i had to do it so i posted on my personal facebook some images um showcasing needles feces um near my mom's back door of her property yep. uh and so i you know t copied and pasted the email that i had sent to elected officials of the boston city council and some some of the state reps so i copied and pasted that email posted it with the images and boom it just kind of turned into what we all know now as the south and roxbury community partnership so um you know i my mom has been on the same block. My family's been on that same block for over 25, 30 years. So I grew up there when the needle exchange program was um, approved and put out there in the early 90s, um, which started with um, the prevention of HIV AIDS. And yep. now it's just turned into a consumption site right. where individuals are now given needles to which i'm I, i'm assuming that the needles are still for the preventing of you know diseases right mm -hmm. um but right now it's basically a free fall for individuals who are, are using illegal substances um shooting up heroin or you know fentanyl whatever it is that you know people want to call it mm -hmm. um to sit late literally on our sidewalks on our property stoops on in our hallways to literally inject themselves in broad daylight at nighttime in front of children um having sexual intercourse public in all in the public eye in yep. front of everyone on your property on school playground um and you know we've been demonstrating and advocating since Late August, our first community standout was September 3rd, yep. um, where we had the community, both the South End and the Roxbury, for the first time yep. um, to really partner up with each other on this issue. And we did a community standout. We did it every Thursday for about close to four, five months. Rain. Any type of weather, we were out there every Thursday. We stopped, we've stopped traffic, we shut down the highway. Um, and we've just, you know, canvassing the community, passing out flyers and say, hey, join our group, join our, you know, our advocacy, send emails, you know, doing call blitz, all that stuff that goes on. Um, that one, we're not getting paid for. Okay. Yep. We're just community residents in that community who believe that our community should be comfortable for all which does not exclude and i want to be clear because we've been attacked on this we've been called nimbies and everything yep. this does not exclude individuals who are navigating an addiction yep. what we're saying is 
what's happening out there should not be happening out there. And some form of intervention has to happen because it's inhumane. Yep. And it's a public health crisis. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we were talking a little bit before and we've talked about this a couple of times now, you know, it's, it's not a uh, kind of one size fits all issue. It is very uh, kind of multifaceted, I guess. There's, there's a lot of different um, parts that need to be kind of weighed and and talked about. And I feel like a lot of folks just don't want to have the conversation. They just, as soon as uh, they hear, uh, oh, this is the problem that I'm having, just, you know, not, this is the only problem. This is the problem that I'm having right now with my mother's property. Yeah. They immediately shut that off. And like you said, they say hurtful things that is in no way um, uh, accurate to, to your character or what you stand for, but they, they uh, feel attacked somehow and immediately go back on the, on the defense. In reality, this is a, an issue that, that requires conversations. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, different folks, you know, this is affecting children. This is affecting, uh, the folks that are, um, using at these consumption sites as well. Um, and it really is, you know, it's, it's one of the, it, it, it drew me in because I, I, um, didn't know the, the full, you know, kind of picture of everything. I, I definitely, um, believe in, in uh, decriminalizing all of these things so that it's not a, a police problem. It's not someone going through the jail system. It, it's something that can be seen as a community uh, health uh, issue and in, in being worked as. Uh, but it sounds like a lot of those services have kind of broken down as well uh, over the time since, you know, back in the 90s when it was instituted versus now when, um, you know, really it, it doesn't seem like the folks there are able to receive any of the help that they need. And uh, it's kind of overflowed into the community now, uh, surrounding community. I mean, and I think that I don't. I think everyone in this group knows that we don't want to criminalize individuals that have addiction, right? Right. An addiction is a disease, um, and it requires equitable treatment. Yep. It requires real interventions. What that is, whether it's a continued push of opioid prescriptions at the, we don't know. We're not doctors, right. but what we're saying is. How can you establish a location with this many services and expect for someone to actually get clean? Right. When the minute that they step out of, whether it's a sober home, whether it's a shelter, they're going back out to the same place that they're fighting against to not be there. And, and, and get have a job to you know get housing or get reacquainted with their family member right. their children you know what i mean so yeah it's it's the whole situation is ugly and i think that we've been the only group to successfully say hey this is an uncomfortable conversation yeah but we have to have this conversation bottom line yes. you know what I mean? and the beautiful part about our group is that we have individuals so you shout out to william you know, William, you know, is a former addict. You know, he has been in the prison system for selling drugs right on the mile. He's been very honest. We also have the mother of Damien Hughes, uh, whose son was murdered on July. What was it? July 31st? Yep. It was in July, right at the doorsteps of the needle exchange program in the shelter. Right. Literally at what, six, seven o'clock in the morning? You know? and this mom, you know, will tell you, she goes, I came from the suburbs to bring my son 
to Boston because this is the place where I, when I was navigating my own addiction, this is where I came. I went to Long Island. I got the help. I got the treatment. You know, so she brought her child to the same place where she got the help. Right. And unfortunately, due to the lack of resources that are available for everyone because they closed down Long Island. What right. was it? 2000, I, I can't even remember. Yeah, uh, I, can't I don't know. I can't remember. But it was in 2016 or something. 14. Yeah. Guys, I don't know. Mingos, if you guys are watching, please <laughs> let me know. You know. Uh, and her son was murdered there. And she has found peace in our group because she feels like, you know, she carries a burden of she feels like it's her fault. Right. Parent, right. And she's finding this group as a sanctuary to say, you know, I feel like I did something wrong as a parent, but I'm going to come here and I'm going to fix it. So no one else's child ends up like my child. Right. And and the facts of that case is the person who brutally stabbed her son was banned from that location right? and had stay away orders from being in that location, but was still in that location. Right. right? Um, and so, you know, methadone model is not just people who have addiction. There's a large population of individuals who have mental illness. Yep. And we also have a lot of individuals that are neither um, addicts nor have mental illness, but are simply homeless. Right. Right. And it's not simply. So let me, you know, because being homeless is not simple, but are homeless. Right. right? So you have three different populations of individuals in one location. And it's just honestly, it's it's sad when you drive down there. First of all, everyone's whole life. Is in the public eye for everyone to see. Right. Right. So here we are being called NIMBYs and called all these other things that we don't want individuals in our community and oh my goodness and poverty tourism and all these things that keep getting thrown at us when the reality is that the services are there have a cap and they can only serve a certain amount of people anyway. And they right. know, right? So people are coming from different communities throughout the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and outside of the state of Massachusetts to come there, right? right. And those their needs can't be met. So these individuals then get stuck in an area because they can get access to drugs at any given time. Right. You know? Um, and no shade to our DA. You know, I, I like our DA, but our DA is not, you know, believes, as you said, in decriminalizing addiction. And and, yep. and I and I think most of us believe in that, honestly. Right. Um, there has to be different forms. But the reality is that. You know, everything that's impacting that community is, you know, people are breaking an entry. That's something that she's not willing to prosecute. Um, uh, what is it? Petty theft. She's not willing to prosecute for that. And, and again, I don't disagree. Um, you know, uh, distribution with intent to, you know, uh, possession with intent to distribute. She's not prosecuting for that. So right. literally everything that's happening on the mile is why the community is upset and there is no accountability. So yep. for us is like, if you guys are not going to prosecute people, which again, we don't disagree with that, right. right? People have an addiction, they need help. Um, and prison may be good for some people and it may not be good for other people. Right. right. Uh, but the question is, what is the plan? 
Right. So people are out there doing all these things. At the end of the day, the drugs that they're using are illegal. Yeah. Federally, they are illegal. Right, they, yeah. in, you know, there there isn't no law that's changed that says, "Hey, cocaine is a free fall, y'all. Let's just right. have all the cocaine party over here." You know what I mean? And let's chill. You know, it's still an illegal substance. Right. So my my issue that I have with with policies and things that are changing, we can't put all these changes out in place if people don't have a plan. Right. Because um, you know. You know, as you know, you know, you understand politics, right? So I live in this location. My car insurance is going to be higher than people that are living in the suburbs, right? right. Because fine, people are going to continue to break into my, 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 my car and everything, right? right? So our property taxes, everything's high. And then, you know, am I at fault for saying, do you know what my car insurance rate looks like right now? Right. No. And yeah. And, and at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to do the best for you and your family as well. It's, it's there's no, uh, you know, th that should not be something that, that people are going after or anything like that. And I, and I think too, that there's um, like you were saying, you know, you brought up a lot of good points there. I think there's, um, there, there's got to be a plan. We, there, we, so we have in, in our uh, kind of libertarian movement, there's a lot of folks who have very radical ideas about kind of a future state. But there's uh, some understanding that things have to be kind of incrementally moved in that in that direction in order to do so to not hurt folks and not uh, kind of tear down uh, different communities, um, especially, you know, trying to make sure that uh, people have the services that they need as they need them. If, if we go ahead and say, okay, we're not going to do uh, all these, you're not going to prosecute all these things, which at the end of the day could be a good state for the future. You can't do that when everyone is going to one location to uh, try and find uh, some help, uh, maybe, or, or, you know, in some cases, maybe trying to find uh, supply or whatever. That's, that's such a concentrated group of individuals who are, are all um, looking to do that, that one thing that, a, the services are not, you know, in place to to handle that kind of load. Um, and B, the community surrounding it is not really uh, set up, I guess, to, to handle that many uh, folks coming in um, and, and trying to help those folks. And like you said, it's not a, um, you know, I've, I've seen some, you know, comments of, of folks uh, going off and stuff. And it seems like they're, uh, you know, not looking at the full picture of the problem. And I, I, Definitely, you know, I, I'm lucky because I got to know you, you and, you know, Domingos and, and Leon a little bit. But uh, hearing the kind of the full picture of and not even, you know, I, I've got, you know, a, a portion, you know, a good portion of the picture, but maybe not the entire picture. It, it helps me understand, you know, how going, you know, too quickly, maybe with with some of these plans really can uh, hurt the community significantly, you know, in, in many different ways. And I think, you know, so some of the, the things that you guys have done, uh, bringing in folks from uh, the public officials, you know, local public officials who are um, saying they're going to help and do something, but not really offering up much of a plan. There is a real need there. And, and I think, you all have been the only group I've seen that's that's offered up, you know, suggestions or ideas that are not just political theater and trying to make it sound good, but actually trying to help people. 
uh, in these communities. And I, I think it's in not only that, but you're also, you know, I, I don't want to uh, talk too long, but you, you also are doing so much good, uh, you know, Every weekend, I see folks out there uh, distributing food and, and supplies to folks, and, and making sure that folks are as possible, you know, comfortable as possible, uh, given the situation. And I think, you know, it's it's such a positive thing you're trying to do, but there's there's so much momentum rolling against you, you know, with with the ten plus twenty plus years, thirty plus years, I guess, you know, that it's very difficult for the community to kind of overcome this. Um, and there's something that, you know, I think the community could work with the local officials and that's what you all are, are working to do. Um, and can you tell us a little bit more, you know, about some of these other groups that you're working with, that you partner with and, and, um, kind of how, how that's helped, you know, even build the momentum even further towards kind of community action, I guess. So the beautiful part about the South End Roxbury Community Partnership is that, like I, we were talking before we started airing is that these two communities for so long worked in silos, right? Yep. Uh, the South End community has several different civic associations. They work strategically. They stay on top of all these um, dialogues and always connecting with the elected officials. Um, and they've kind of dominated this conversation for a long time where Roxbury has done equally the same um, but, you know, it's a different location. You know, people work hard, you know, uh, have probably many children. Who knows? There's just a different dynamics financially between the two groups. Not a lot because, you know, Roxbury has a history of Malcolm X and, you know, all the we have million dollar homes there too. Yep. You know, it's just the it's just a different dynamic, right? Yeah. And so we've been able to bring two communities together that have worked si separately on this issue to say, hey, listen, this is not a black and white thing. This is not a purple and pink thing. This is impacting the South End. This is impacting Roxbury. How can we work together and build the same political capita and political, you know, advocacy, constituent advocacy to say, hey. This can't happen. This shouldn't be happening in the South End and it shouldn't be happening in Roxbury. So right. we've been, you know, told you guys are like the first group to do that. So woo, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, then, you know, we've been partnering up with uh, do shout out to Justin Downey and James Bradley, who are the founders of the Mass App Project. Uh, you know, if you guys don't know this group, please follow them on social media. It's a group of individuals who were former addicts, who are in recovery, who at one point in time were on methadone mile. Um, and they've turned into a program that want to get people out of uh, methadone mile and accent, you know, sober homes and other, you know, recovery and treatment facilities to sponsor someone uh, to get them, you know, the help that they deserve outside of that location. Yep. Um, so we've partnered up um, with Bridge Kids Give Back, huge shout out to Nancy Rivera. Uh, you know, she is from Cambridge and she, you know, she's seen our efforts. She was connected with us. You know, Nancy likes to cook. So she came in and say, listen, you know, I've been doing this kind of just in my personal space and right. Lowell, giving back in Lowell and Lawrence and that area. You know, how can I help, you know, bring my efforts to, to the work you guys are doing? And we just kind of, been making magic happen and the beautiful thing is that we're meeting people and we're saying hey you guys want to help like why not like we're right. 
no, we're not a nonprofit. We're not interested in turning into a nonprofit. Um, for, for the reason being is that typically in a lot of the work that people do in this space, you know, in advocacy, you know, people turn into a nonprofit. Next thing you know it, you know, you start getting funding and it kind of feels like the scope of your work changes, right? Because now you feel like, hey, the city of Boston is funding me. So maybe I can't attack them anymore or hold them to task, right? right. So trying to fight that stigma and saying, nope, you guys are not going to silence us by giving us money. We're just constituents, everyday people with either grew up there, still have family there. And we're saying, hey, uh, it's been over 30 years, y'all. What y'all going to do about it? Um, and not to mention other groups like Bear um, from Bridgewater, uh, which is a group of students. Uh, who are trying to bring in um, back, you know, some old school methods of, you know, uh, of of prevention. So they're bringing back prevention into the conversation yeah. and they're specifically targeting younger, uh, the younger population, the youth population and youth of color, because it seems like out in the New Bedford, uh, Bridgewater area, they're seeing an, uh, uh, an uptick of um increase of numbers of addiction yep. and it seems like the population there are more younger uh youth and what's happening is that a lot of them are leaving their communities like we all know what's happening on method mile is that then they then they end up on methadone mile. right um, and then you know the reality is that whether we like it or not once you get to methadone mile you might be stuck there for a while right yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, seeing all of the different, you know, I think not just the, the issue itself is uh, kind of multifaceted, I guess, but the, the work that you all are doing is, is really multifaceted. You, you know, coming at the, the public health crisis, the way it is trying to not only, you know, take care of the folks who are there currently and, and trying to, uh, um, you know, get services or whatever, but also trying to make sure that, it, you know, that what can't be handled there is also being helped in, in some effort. You know, I mean, it's it's more than what's being done today uh, by the public officials and stuff as well. And it's, you know, it, it's 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 amazing that, you know, uh, there are folks that are uh, so passionate and able to, to, you know, get stuff like this done. And uh, we're having, you know, a lot of these folks on the show uh, in the next few weeks here. So it'll be good to kind of hear from everyone and, and hear, you know, all the different perspectives on this, too. We've had we one of our youngest activists is five years old. So yep. you shout out to Ashlyn. Um, Ashlyn has literally been on our Zooms, speaking to elected officials and saying, listen, like I come out from the front of my house there's people pooping on my stoop and you know she was the one that when we started the chance you know where is baker and she was like nobody knows <laughs> you know charlie baker is our yeah, oh, yeah. So i was like yes yes you know and she's she's been giving the uh, um uh a city um award you know for being our youngest member and and, and speaking very um truth for for a five-year-old and being able to to really speak those words of the things that she's seen on her front doorsteps when her her right. mom was out the front door um and that's many of the kids in, in the south end you know so you know the beautiful also the beautiful kind of going back to the beautiful part of the the partnership that we build uh is that 
we have the Mass Ave Project who's been honest to say, listen, I've been out here. I know it. You know, I don't think anybody wants to be pooping on anyone's stoops. Right. Wants to be, you know, this is an addiction, and we want to help bring some type of sense of 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 community building to this issue because we were once out here and yeah. we know that maybe we could have been people that were breaking into your cars and you know what I mean. So the beautiful part is that you have people who are saying, even those that were on the mile, that are saying this shouldn't even be happening. Right. You know, and then the other part about it is that. Due to the pandemic, you know, our former mayor, who's now going to is a secretary of labor, the labor of secretary, he's going down with, you know, down to the town to D.C. Right. Um, he approved a consumption site, a temporary consumption site in that location. Nobody in the communities got the memo. Right. We just was like, wait a minute. There's way more going on out here than it typically is. We've seen more people out there. We started seeing a whole lot more. And we're like, what is going on out here? And then, boom, after finally barking so much, hey, you know, this Mayor Marty Walsh approved a consumption site without the consent or the conversation or hearing or any type of conversation with the community. And not to mention that, Prior to us doing all this work and, and, and demonstrations and meetings, it's been 10 years since the city of Boston has had a hearing on what they call mass and cast and we know as method online. Right. 10 years. No hearing for 10 years. Right. And then in 2019, they created, the city of Boston, Mayor Marty Walsh created a uh, task force, a mass and cast task force. In that task force is elected officials, both from the South End and Roxbury, the people who uh, programs that work with individuals navigating addiction, uh, you know, a few residents, more residents and members of the South End versus Roxbury, which is, you know, that was also problematic. Right. Um, and one, the meetings are not public. Two, we recently, after tagging them on Twitter, Facebook, and saying, hey, where's the meeting minutes at? You guys have a website. What do we know what you guys are talking about? Right. And who communicate. So finally, you know, so huge shout out to Dakota uh, from Substantive. Uh, he put in a request to get records of the task force and he got access along with Marla uh, from one of our members, got access to the um, reports, uh, which, you know, which showcased there wasn't really no consistency uh, as far as like the layout of taking notes. Right. So, um, half of our elected officials were missing in those meetings. Uh, and then again, how do you have a task force if the objective is to really give people the opportunity to get treatment and recovery? And right. you don't have the Department of Mental Health on that task force. You don't have the Department of Developmental Services, uh, DDS, uh, because right. they so uh, some people may have disabilities, yep. um, you know, uh, learning disabilities, right? And then you don't have um, the housing department. Right. So how do you how do you guys have this whole task force 
but nobody even knows what the objective is. Right. And so it's been, what we're basically, what we're saying is make it all make sense, right? It doesn't make no sense. It doesn't make sense. Nobody's had a meeting on hearing on this for 10 years. And finally in November, we had, there was a a hearing uh, that was approved by the, City Council, Boston City Council President, Ms. Kim Janey, who's now going to step up to be a temporary interim mayor. Um, she put it forward and for 10 years, right? And right. Let's talk, guys, that meeting was five hours. Five hours. And we constituents got the time to talk after we heard everyone else talk. Right. And it got I'll be honest with you, none of it made no sense. It seems like everyone's just dancing in circles. We keep saying the, the same thing. We, well, we're not going to arrest our way out of this, and we're going to decriminalize. Dude, we know this. We don't disagree with you. Right. Is, where is the plan? So if you're not going to arrest people and you're not, you know, you're, we're decriminalizing, what is a plan to making sure we don't have hundreds, not 20, 30 people, we have close right. to 200 or more people outside every day in broad daylight, injecting themselves, having sex in public, stealing your cars, stealing your packages. Right. Okay. And that does not include, you know, the little mall plaza, not right. that far from there, who Home Depot has said that they've lost millions of dollars in revenue because, again, our DA is not arresting for petty theft so you know maybe me and you d we can go to home depot you need a new drill let's go get a drill because we're not going to get arrested for you know stealing a, a drill so right yeah, I yeah. Go- <laughs> you know what I mean? like I, I don't know you know and like you said it's just it, it's a lot of political speak without an actual plan and that's that's where a lot of um you know the the, the you see task force and things like that that are put up uh, and so, you know, some of them do, you know, maybe some, uh, some good work, but a lot of the times it's just trying to silence a group of individuals who have been uh, speaking up and trying to, to make change in their communities. And oftentimes, like you said, it just leads to a bunch of stuff said behind closed doors that the public doesn't get any access to that you don't get to, to make your voice heard as a community member. It's just a, a bunch of bureaucrats and, you know, maybe a couple of community uh, folks, uh, but not an accurate representation of the folks that are actually uh, being impacted uh, by this. And, and, you know, like you said, it's, it's, if we're looking specifically even at results driven, you know, uh, uh, metrics, you know, if we're looking at numbers and I, you know, try and, do things more humanly than that, you know, talking to people instead of uh, looking at numbers. But if we're just purely looking at numbers, this isn't uh, um, led to a reduction in the need for those services, which is what you would hope, you know, over time, it's actually seen uh, kind of an over uh, abundance in and more folks needing those services than they can actually even uh, offer. And it looks like, you know, times have been cut shorter. Uh, there's no 24 hour care. It's, it's, you know, nine to five or whatever. And, and you, you only, you know, you better only need help nine to five. If you need help other, other than that, there's no one there to help you. Uh, and it's just, it's like you said, it's inhumane. It, it just seems like they're, they're not uh, treating the folks who have um, the addictions uh, with the compassion that they, they also deserve, you know, as well as not able to help fix the issues that are going on in the community. It's, 
it, it seems like they're just failing on all accounts. And there's, um, you know, like I said, I, I commend you all because is it seems like the community and oftentimes I see this, the community is doing much more to help uh, this issue uh, than the, the city or, or state is able to. Um, but there are some steps I think that can be put in place and, and you have uh, done a great job, like I said, speaking with um, uh, potential elected officials and elected officials that are in place to uh, to talk with them and and even, you know, show them in, in you know, I, I heard uh, you mentioned it before and I actually saw some of the comments uh, on the Facebook group of the uh, or maybe on Twitter or something of the, um, you know, uh, poverty uh tourism or whatever yeah you were you your group was showing an elected official what was happening in the community to better help that community there was no uh um you know come one come all it, you were trying to help solve a problem and that blew me away i i saw that and that was one of the most egregious things i saw and i want and i want us to talk about this right because that comment that that comment was made by the founder of the uh what is it she's under classy cassie miss classy on twitter and she's the founder of uh the advocacy group who's advocating for safe consumption sites here in mass so to me first of all is that our first encounter with her yep. That's our second encounter with her the first encounter with uh this this you know founder uh who's coming and let me be clear, coming into our community, advocating for a service in our community, but right. yet treating us with total disrespect, which all which demonstrates a lot about her ability, about caring about not just the people that she serves, but the people that live in this, in this community. Right. Uh, so she showed up with a group of other individuals, uh, which I believe were from the Boston Users Union came to our one of our de demonstrations and she says she called us anti-poor that we were anti-poor that we were anti-homeless um and, and in my head we should be anti-poor and anti-homeless no one in a in a in the united states of america anywhere should be poor or should be homeless right the government should be ashamed of themselves if people cannot provide a roof over their heads or food on the table. Everyone should be anti-homeless and anti-poor because everyone deserves access to housing and food. Okay? Yeah. So, yeah. so we were taken back and then as things started progressing, we found out who this individual was and you know, we've been attacked a lot by the harm reduction uh, lobbyists and people who are pushing for, you know, the safe consumption sites. We've been clear so much that we said, we're not against whatever services people think are gonna work. Right. What we're saying is, how many more services can happen in one location? Right. Who have, what is it? There's seven methadone clinics within mile radius to each other, right? right? So, you know, we have a few, you know, homeless shelters, how much more services have been put in that location that have oh, repeatedly demonstrated that it's not working? What it's creating is more individuals coming yep. to this community who are not being able to be served because, again, there's only so many beds in a shelter. Right, right. And especially when it's, like you said, it's centralized in one spot. 
the more folks are going to come to that one spot. And there's only so much physical area uh, that folks can can utilize for those services. And it, like you said, it's it is uh, uh, got to be very, very difficult. And, you know, I think the the. I think that, you know, immediate reaction and immediate uh, kind of attack of the group, it, it just seems like there's a lack of uh, willingness to, to talk and communicate. Because I think, you know, maybe a week into uh, going on the page and, and taking a look at what people were posting and trying to interact with a few folks and, and going to a few of the uh, forums that you host, um, I learned very quickly that, that you all wanted uh, – um, you know, the ability to uh, help these folks find their way into, even if it was safe consumption or uh, the ability to to get help that they need, it just needs to be done in a way that we're progressing towards helping those folks and not just saying, okay, uh, here's, here's the location for you all, go there and uh, magically something will happen. Yeah. It's it's not. And I think folks just get the uh, kind of stuck in their mind that if you're you know advocating for a decentralization of these uh, services or if you're advocating for, um, you know, that that the issue is is been so large because of um, the centralization or, what you know, the the kind of single point of, of uh, trying to fix all of this, this issues. That, that you're immediately going after and saying, I don't want uh, homeless people here. I don't want uh, users here. I don't want, that's not the issue. It's you want these folks to get help. You want these folks to have a home. You want these folks to be sober if that's what they are looking to do. You want these folks to be able to uh, have the 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 um, best life that they can. And, and it's just not happening. And you're, you're seeing it get worse and worse every year instead of better and better. And I, I just I think people are are missing that point and they're not really seeing that uh, it is a compassionate place you all are coming from and you're trying to make it so and you can only do so much you know you have to lean on uh, because the city has let it kind of get to the point where it's at you are, you can only do so much uh, um, in order to kind of turn the ship and and uh, make it better I guess for better for the community better for the folks that are are not receiving the services that they have I, I think there's a lot there that's very compassionate and folks that are just completely missing the point. I want to make sure folks know that I, you know, I, I came in as an outside perspective, uh, just joined and learned and, and trying to talk to as many folks as I possibly can. And I've learned that, it, you know, it's, and I, I didn't have a ton of hesitation because I was able to meet you all as uh, people first and then kind of learn more about uh, how it went. But I think that's what neat people need to do is start seeing people that they don't think they agree with as people, you know, that's part of this whole show is, is people with differing ideas coming together and trying to help uh, their communities. And I think you all do an amazing job. I just wanted to kind of applaud all your effort. I mean, it's just it's amazing work. It is coming from uh, such a compassionate place and uh, folks need to know that. But what, what people know, have to understand is that what we're asking for are, are really, you know, to decentralize the services, yep, one location, right? And when we are saying decentralization of services, we're not saying that we don't want them there. What we're saying is that if we're going to invest in truly giving someone the opportunity to seek treatment and recovery, give them that opportunity somewhere where they can actually focus on that, right? Have that ability and not step out of their treatment facility to be enticed to go back. 
That's right. what we're saying. Uh, and then two, we're saying we're if individuals are coming from other communities, why are we not building relationships with other cities and towns to say, hey, it looks like we have 50 people here from Norwood. We have 20 people here from New Hampshire, or we have 15 people here from, you know, Swampsa. I don't know. Yep. How are we building relationships with communities who are, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, before people become addicts and, and become homeless, at one point in time, they'd had somewhere to live, whether they were state of the wards, whether, you know, they had a life before prison. And when they left prison, maybe the people that, you know, helped them and whatever happened, then they end up homeless. But at one point in time, some of us may have had some form of roof over our heads, right? So yeah. then we're also thinking about some of these individuals may still be registered to live somewhere else. And those cities or towns are, are getting the funding that they get from the census, right? Yep. So then, you know, the city of Boston is losing funding that could po potentially go towards helping individuals. But we don't, you know, there's also that part that a lot of people don't want to talk about, but it's real. It's a real. Right, absolutely. Um, and what we're saying is, you guys haven't done a survey in years, right? So we, there's no website that we can look at to say, you know, 50 people are from here, 100. There's none of that. Right. Um, and so we're saying you guys need to figure out like a tracking system, right? Because at this time, what needs to happen with Methadone Mile, there has to be a statewide approach for people to have shared responsibilities in their community to service those who are navigating addiction and homelessness in their own backyard. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's the reality is right. that, people, you know, it's just, you know, we it, can't be the dumping grounds for everything because it's the city. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's not only that it's, it's trying, you're, you're also able to then help if you're forming these relationships with those communities, you're then able to help uh, feed that information back that, Hey, you know, there are, a majority of folks coming from this one community, what's going on in that community. Uh, Cause typically as you know, I have talked to um, uh, folks who, who have a background in, in understanding addiction and things like, and I've tried to read as much as I possibly can on the issue. And it's, it seems that trauma is a, a very uh, real start. You know, that's kind of the gateway drug, if you will, you know, is trauma and, and what's happening in those communities that we don't understand that we now can understand because we have a little bit of the day and not, you know, individual, uh, like, uh, tracking a, a person, you know, here or there, but it just understanding what community is that person coming from and having a relationship with that community. So you can give that kind of feedback as well. The funding is, is definitely a piece of it for sure. Cause of the, the way that the system is kind of built that way, but in the, in, you know, kind of the other side of it too, you're just going to be able to help, that community maybe realize a real problem that they've been ignoring because those folks are now moving to the centralized services that are in one city. Yeah, and it just and again, it, it you know we we live in a society that every community is the fabrics of every community is different, right? Um, and the reality is that what's happening in Boston is happening in your community. My community is happening in all the communities, some more exposed than others. Yep. Um, and these are conversations that we have to have moving forward. You know, we can't hide them 
or not put them out there because we don't want our properties to be devalued. You know, we don't want to have an open air market where people find out that in my community we do have, you know, an opioid crisis. So we sh don't say this. You know, we're just going to make this a Boston problem. You know. Right. We have to have these conversations, you know, and I think that a lot of what we're trying to do is say, guys, enough is enough. Let's have this uncomfortable conversation to finally just do something that benefits both those that are navigating substance use and those in the community who want to take their kids to the park. Right. You know, we've had kids from the Orchard Garden Elementary School that has been pricked by a needle. Um, you know, we had someone during the summertime disclose that their animal uh, had uh, swallowed a needle. So their vet bill was ridiculous. Bet, yeah. You know, who who's gonna who's gonna pay for that vet bill? Right, right. Not it's not classy, Miss Cassie, right? <laughs> <laughs> Foundation, or it's not the city, right? right. So you know. Why why are we blamed as a group of individuals that are pointing these these issues out to say, guys, some, you guys have to start even thinking about that. You got to think about, you know, if somebody's child gets pricked, you know, I'm assuming that that family had to have sued or, you know, had to get, you know, their medical bills right. you know, for something. You know, is that costing you more? Like, what what is the plan? And right. and even when we've seen the bill and what the safe con the safe injection uh lobbyists are lobbying for is they're they're seeking to have a 24-hour safe consumption site that's already happening with or without the consumption right. site. they even wanted to have an uh an opportunity to offer child care so most of us is like okay child care i get it you know at the end of the day some of these kids are witnessing this but then how are you we're in that document shared how are you helping that child Right. Trauma. Right. right. And now their parent is walking them to a safe consumption site while they're in a different room, you know, being monitored by a nurse. You're in a playroom. You know, imagine right. if a nurse comes to you and you're in that playroom to tell you, you know, honey, imagine that. Right. right. And trauma that you're going to go through. And so I'm like, in my head, you know, we were asking. Are you guys going to have trauma informed license providers there to work with this child? Right. Are you connecting this family with a stabilization team that can actually visit the family and stabilize the family as a whole and right. make it this child is actually going to school and could produce in school? Or, you know, where's there wasn't even a wraparound model for that, right? right. right. So we're here, like, guys, make it make sense. For us yeah. to meet each other halfway on this, you know what I mean? It's right. just weird, you know. Like you said, we're constantly being attacked, both on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, you know, we, you know, elected officials have some said that they've heard that we're a difficult group. No, we're not a difficult group. We're the only group that's trying to keep it real. We've we've given you plans and ideas after right. our ideas. I mean, you guys are giving thousands of needles a month. You guys don't even barcode them. So you and I can go get a pack of needles. They don't need to know your name, my name. Right. It's illegally discarded in the community, right? Yep. But 
outside of you giving me that pack of needles, how are you engaging with me? Although I know that you guys have an engagement center, you know, can they even think ahead progressively? Let me barcode this needle so that when I find them, I can actually track people. So then parents who've gone months without seeing their loved ones yeah. and are messaging us and saying, hey, can you help me locate my child? You know, the needles can track someone to say, all right, if we just gave this pack of needles to, you know, to, to, to Joe, right? And we gave this pack of needles to Joe a week ago. So we've been picking up the needles and it seems like Joe might be still in this, around this location. Let us keep an eye on Joe, right? So it's, it's there's not even that. There's right. no tracking system. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I think there's, there's a... Yeah, there, there is, there is a lot of things that look good in policy that don't address the real issues, and I think that's that's a big piece of what I've learned. You know, talking with you all is is just there's there is a lot of um, gray area or whatever things that can't be just uh, applied a, a specific. Um, you know, policy uh, thing, I guess that that will help fix the entire thing. It's it's people engaging with people, understanding what the issues are. And like you said, you know, the the with a child care facility or something there, what are they doing for uh, those children that are now maybe more likely to be brought there instead of before where maybe, you know, other arrangements had to be made or whatever, and they weren't being brought into that kind of environment. Uh, are we creating a problem for the future? Are we, you know, there's, there's a lot there that uh, just seems to be uh, overlooked. And, and oftentimes uh, I think people are are trying to, and, uh, you know, I, I think there are a lot of folks that are trying to do their best that do uh, come up with bad policy as well. I'm not saying that these po folks are being uh, targeting or, or being uh, actively um, trying to hurt the community but they don't realize that they're, you know, that the end result, it does hurt the community. And I think, you know, there's you all making the, the voice heard of uh, a large portion of that community because of the partnerships uh, and the, the groups that have uh, kind of joined in and, and tried to help out um, whether it be a former uh, addict that was, you know, on methadone mile in the past and, and has recovered or folks that are uh, just trying to help the folks that are there or the folks that are, are talking about uh, trying to make their community better for their children. I think it's those conversations and the conversations that we're having that uh, um, need to happen in order for it to be fixed. And it's not going to be fixed by someone coming in and saying, okay, we're going to do this one thing that's going to fix everything uh, tomorrow. It, it's, this is going to be a long process that, that folks in the community need to be engaged on or, it won't, it'll just continue to be perpetuated as a bigger and bigger problem, especially as we see, you know, we're seeing use uh, rise dramatically, um, even still with a lot of uh, things put in place. So um, I think the hard conversations, just if you don't have them, you're not going to, you're never going to determine ways to actually uh, improve the issue instead of, you know, kind of applying band-aids that are just not working. And we've met, Listen, we've had conversations with these with these individuals while we're giving out food and clothes. Right. They're human beings and we're not judging them. You know, sometimes we've even picked up our phone to let them. We've even said, hey, when was the last time you talked to your mom, your dad or 
you know, the sad face and feeling ashamed. And we're like, no, no, man, here, take the phone, call your mom. You know, people are not doing that, right? Right. So when we're there, we're not giving them a sandwich and saying, listen, with this sandwich, I'm going to need you to check in. No, I'm back down. And and every time I see you, I'm gonna ask you the same question. Hey, how are you? You know, how you feeling? Do you know who to call? Do you, you know? And 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 that simple engagement, um, I think it's been instrumental. You know, because at the end of the day, they're still human beings, right? right? Um, and regardless of how upset we are for the other stuff that's impacting our community, our 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 cars, you know, everyone in this group is super empathetic and many of us have family members who've been on the mile right who have suffered from addiction there's no one in in anywhere that can say that they don't have someone in their family that's not addicted to whether it's drugs alcohol or something right yep. addiction is real and you know i overall this is sad and we just for me you know um I just want to see people really be treated with the respect and the digni dignity they deserve to really get clean and get reestablished with their family and enjoy holidays with their families or whatever the case may be. That's all we really want because what's happening right. here is just inhumane. Yeah, no. And I, I, like I said, I can't applaud you all more. Uh, it's, it's, you know, folks in the community talking with folks um, that are are um, on the mile that's going to fix this issue. It, again, it's it's not someone trying to apply these band-aids that are not working and, and trying to gain political uh, points or whatever. It's it's people who are actually t speaking to the folks who need the services to figure out what you know what would be beneficial or folks who have been able to uh, uh, leave uh, sober or or. Um, you know, helped after what, what was the turning point? What helped you uh, kind of get to what you needed and how do we make more of that available kind of thing? So that, no, that's, I, I think this is great. I, I, I enjoyed talking with you so much. If you have anything else you want to uh, plug before kind of the end, you more than welcome to. Um, uh, no, I mean, we, I know that we, we have a training for the community because we also find that a lot of the community members, who are not super politically involved. They don't understand how to navigate systems. So it's frustrating um, because we're kind of like, why are we still having the same conversation 20, 30 years later? So we have a training coming up on February 23rd with a partnership with Act on Mass, who's basically going to do a political 101 uh, workshop for the community so that they can understand that why it, it, it is important to hold your elected officials to task, you know, why emails are work good and, you know, understanding exactly where to look for the website to find bills and all that information. Yeah. So we're that and you know we're still going to continue our efforts and doing live streams on the conversation um you know follow us on twitter uh c s e r o x b u r south and roxbury so we're on twitter instagram and facebook we also have the facebook um group page if you want to join us and there's anything that you want to help us with that you have strategies or something that you've seen in another community that works bring that energy to us help yeah. us we're a very open group um 
you know, join us and, you know, we're here, you know, like, like I said, D, I'm here. My mom has been robbed in form of needle. The needle was full of blood when my mom was robbed and I'm still here showing because what I was really thinking when my mom called me and told me that I can't even put it out here because I was right. really angry. But then in my head, it's like, mom, you know, these individuals need help, you know, but I'm here and we're here and we, all we want to do is really help people get the help that they need and, you know, other communities to step up and say, we have an, a, a, a um, drug issue in our communities and we need to help support Boston in this situation. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming on. I, I appreciate you telling, you know, uh, folks in, in the po post-political podcast community about it. Uh, I'm going to put all the links uh, that you mentioned in the comments so that folks can find you. And um, yeah, I, I think, like I said, I, I thank you so much for, for coming on and uh, talking about this with me. It's opened uh, my eyes a bunch to uh, kind of the issue for everyone in the community. I think that's one of the, you know, it says it right in the uh, description of, of the group. And it's really true. You know, you're trying to make it better for every single person uh, in that community, including folks on the mile in the, the use facilities. So um, thank you. Thank you for all the work that you're doing as well. I mean, it's incredible. Really. Thank you. No, thank you. It was dope being here, y'all. Um, and also, if y'all want to follow me, shameless plug, please follow me personally. Uh, I am under the Twitter handling and social media handling. I am the mom advocate, mom and advocate put together. Uh, an amazing mom of two boys. One of my sons is on the autism spectrum. I'm also the founder of Autism Sprinters. So outside of this advocacy, I do a lot of work in ensuring that families who have special needs children know how to navigate systems, how to get access to resources, and how to fight, you know, for the special education rights for their children. So that's just me. Oh, great. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we can have you back on to talk about that. Maybe uh, actually my wife and, and you can talk because my wife is a special education teacher. So I think that would be, yeah, so that's, that's uh, very wonderful as well that you uh, help in, you know, many different ways. So thank you so much again. And uh, it was great talking with you. Have a great night. Well, that was great. I, I am, you know, uh, even more um, understanding and knowledgeable, I guess, of, of this, you know, the entire situation than I was before. I in no means don't think I have a full handle on it. I, I definitely am very interested in, in learning as much as possible. I think problems uh, like these in, in our communities are multiple, uh, you know, are, aren't a one size fits all uh, kind of band-aid fix. Um, you know, we, we really do need to make sure we're engaging with the folks, not only that we're trying to help, but other folks in the community as well, uh, to make sure that, you know, helping out, uh, one group isn't hurting, uh, kind of the next. And it's, it's something that I think, you know, we can look at, you know, this, this issue that's happening in Boston and, you know, expand it to other issues that we have. Um, in many of our communities, we think that we can fix things with applying one law or one um, uh, program that will will hope to fix you know everything. And in reality, it could have some unintended outcomes that uh, do hurt other members of the community. So uh, I hope we're having the conversations. I hope you all uh, are interested, inspired, and, and check out the links that I'm going to po post in the comments uh, after the show. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Post Political Podcast. Thanks. <laughs>